This week on Missions Today. Now we're seeing something new that is really beginning to accelerate. And that is seeing models of evangelism and disciple making that have multiplication built into the DNA of how it happened. Where a new believer is trained to become a disciple maker right away. It's not just, here's not just about God's love or what the word says, but here's how you can walk it out and obey this. And what you're going to do with this this week, not not sometime, but right away. So a young believer is beginning right away, begin to reach somebody else. And to see that beginning to grow, and we're seeing what are called movements beginning to emerge around the world, which is phenomenal. And that's where disciples and churches begin to multiply. And I don't think we're gonna see the Great Commission task accomplished without multiplication. Multiplication, one of the most exciting things happening today in the spread of the gospel. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Our guest this week faced an unspeakable tragedy as a young boy, but that event led to two things, understanding the value of life and knowing deep down inside that he was called to share the life-giving good news of the gospel throughout his life. And that's just what he's done. Dan Brocky is the president of Bethany, an organization committed to training, sending, and partnering with missionaries and missionary outposts around the world. Bethany, missions from beginning to end. That's the topic this week on Missions Today. Dan, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, it's good to be here, Colin. Hey, let's start with your story. Tell us a little bit about your faith journey and how you ended up in ministry. Well, I, uh, I grew up in a phenomenal Christian home. And my parents were actually part of Bethany, not at the very beginning, but within a few years of the start. Back in the 40s, they joined Bethany. So I grew up in this Bethany community here. And as a very young boy, about four years old, um, did something that I knew was wrong. And God convicted me. And, and uh, so as four, four-year-old, I gave my heart to Jesus. And then through the years, just multiple times of... of um, you know, just recommitment, growing understanding, and then committing more. When I was 17, uh, the, the Bethany community as a whole experienced a tragedy. A uh, tornado hit uh, a retreat center in northern Minnesota, and seven people from our Bethany family as a whole were killed in that tornado, uh, including my brother. And it, it hit hit these four cabins that we had just head on. And I was in one of those cabins along with a number of other people. And I looked out the end door, my dad was hanging onto a tree. And I ran out and started to hear trees cracking and breaking. And we threw ourselves to the ground and laid there when the tornado hit. When we got up, all the trees were gone. The cabins were gone, cars were gone. Everything had been cleared out. Much of it had been thrown into the lake. And uh, as we walked towards the lake, my dad asked if I saw my mom or my brother. And I said, Dad, I, I see no one. And then I saw a couple heads of, of, of the 17 people that were thrown into the lake. I saw a few of their heads come out of the water, pop out of the water, and then a, a few of them getting to shore. They'd been thrown into the lake, but now they were getting out. And then I saw my mom's head pop out of the water. And uh, at that moment, uh, you know, you just, I cried out to Jesus and he gave me peace. Well. A couple of days later, I go back and I was going to help on cleanup. And I went to try to find the place where my dad and I laid on the ground. And I could not find a spot big enough for two men to lay. There were so many large trees down on the ground. And I was just so aware, struck with the fact that my life is not my own. 
You know, I didn't choose that place. God preserved us. And, and I just say as a 17 year old boy and young man, I, I, uh, it, it really impacted my, my view of what life is and, and calling and purpose. And so just say that it, it kind of put something in my heart and spirit realizing, you know, I've got to live my life for Jesus and, um, I've been preserved for something. So, you know, that shaped an awful lot. There's a lot of other parts of the story, but that's the heart for me is just that my life, none of our lives are really our own. Oh, wow. What an incredibly powerful story. And I'm so sorry for the loss of, of your brother. Uh, you know, situations like that in many people's lives, especially at that age, could have affected you two ways. It could have made you bitter toward God. It could have drawn you closer to God. Why do you think that you were drawn closer to God in the midst of that? Well, I think part of it is the parents I had and the, and the environment I lived at. I, you know, I grew up here at Bethany, and everything about Bethany was about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and uh, laying your life down completely for that. And I remember a, a few weeks later, with my mom and dad now as a family of three rather than four and just talking about what had just happened and how it had changed our lives. But I remember at that moment, there was just like, for me, a sense of revelation that God is good. Didn't matter what the circumstances were. His goodness was there. I knew his presence in the middle of all of that. I felt his peace come in the middle of it. And, and I, I think, I think unless we, really get an understanding of the character of God as being good. And his glory is actually attached to his goodness when he revealed himself to Moses. You'll see my goodness pass in front of you. And if we don't get that, then then we are looking at God being the cause of everything bad rather than him being present in the midst of things that are bad as comfort, as strength, as and his goodness is with us no matter what, what we're facing. How did you come to uh, lead Bethany? Uh, I was serving on the board. And um, on my way to a board meeting, and the board had had to start a meeting a little earlier, and there were some challenges that Bethany was facing in 2006. And uh, I called in to join the board meeting. And the first thing they said is, well, we've made these decisions, and we think it's time for a change of leadership here. And we, since you do some consulting, which I was doing at the time, and you have some flexibility, and then you have the right last name, because my parents had been at Bethany for their whole married life. Um, they said, would you consider serving on an interim basis? So I started that uh, in the end of April 2006. And then a few weeks later, they asked me to stay on. So that's how I got there. Didn't come from a search. It just came as, could you fill in for a little while? So now 16 years later, I'm still doing it, still filling in. Let's talk about Bethany. Tell me about Bethany, and I know it's got kind of three major areas that you work in. Why don't you describe each one of those a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, we, we have three major areas, as you mentioned. And from the beginning, it was training, sending, and supporting of missionaries. So that was the heart of it, was to just be involved in training, sending, and then supporting, often in the early years, had to do with, you know, financially supporting and in other ways. But for us today, that represents Bethany Global University, which is a, an accredited university that focuses on training people for cross-cultural mission service around the world with an emphasis on reaching unreached people. Then we have a mission agency, which does sending. Some of those are from, from Bethany Global University, and obviously many, many, many of are from the university, but others come from other organizations or 
and interest in missions. And so we send them, have about 100 missionaries serving in about 20 countries. And then the other part now is, is, is partnering with the national church around the world. And through those efforts, there are about 320 mission training schools that have come out of the, the family, if you will, the, the broader global family of Bethany. And those are focused as well on mission training. So one of the emphases for us is, is not just general theological training, even though that becomes part of it, or pastoral training, but it's specifically to train people to go cross-culturally to reach into people groups where the gospel is not gone. Let's talk for a moment about that training piece, because uh, you have people, I assume, coming out of all walks of life, obviously people who are there, but people coming from other places, other churches. Uh, they engage, they're wanting to go. What are some of the first things you talk about with people who are considering this kind of work and considering giving their lives to Christ in a way that takes them out of their comfort zone, out of their homes. Obviously, at some point, you have to kind of make sure this is what their real calling is. There's no question that for anybody who is committing to go long-term uh, to serve in another culture, there's an element of that that comes really at the core of your identity. Because you're going to be pulled out of the culture where your identity has been shaped by what you've grown up in. And and so for us, really key to that is the message of the cross. It's it's the fact that Jesus was the first missionary and he laid down his life. And that that is so critical to, for people to grasp it. I remember talking to one mother who was dropping her, her daughter off at school. And um, we were talking about things that were happening in India. At that particular time, there had been some people martyred for their faith in India. And I saw her at the back of the auditorium after the opening session. And she said, she said, I'm kind of in shock. <laughs> you know, I, I've been thinking of my daughters always wanted to be a missionary. I didn't realize I actually had to give her up to the potential of seeing her life ended on the field. Even, I mean, that kind of the gripping. And I think that's part of what has to happen in a person's heart. Uh, almost has to come to the place where I lay my life down. I, I, shared you know that one of the verses that became really powerful in my life is out of john 14 30 and 31 where jesus is saying to his disciples the prince of this world is coming but he has no hold on me and the world must know that i love my father and i do exactly what he tells me to do and then the next phrase is arise let's let's go let's leave and from that moment he's going right to the cross i mean it's not like that he knows what's coming. And there is something of that has to happen in the heart of every person. It's that they come to this place saying, I'm, I'm doing this because of obedience to Jesus, not out of pity for the lost, but obedience to what Jesus has called me to do. And so getting that into the heart of every person is really critical. I assume as long as you all have been operating, your sending process is tied to relationships you already have in countries that, that you'll be sending people to. Talk for a moment about some of those relationships or how those relationships are built or grown. Yeah, some, sometimes it is that. Sometimes it's a pure pioneering situation where like there's a group that's going into Central Asia right now where they're going into a region that, you know, they're a team that's there and they don't necessarily have a lot of on the ground relationships. But other places where you go in and, and you know, uh, North Northeast Kenya is an example where there was a group of African Nigeria or Kenyan pastors who are 
committed to the unreached in their area. And one of our missionaries was in the middle of that. And out of that came sending some new graduates to that part of the world. Now they've been there for 10, 12 years. Uh, they've grown in relationships as well. And that's a great place to send students into doing a global internship there on the ground. So they begin to build relationships because somebody has gone before them. So it could be a, a relationship like that. It could be another area where one of our students came from another part of the world, came from Ghana, and he came to school. He and his wife then go back to Ghana and uh, begin to plant churches in a more Christian region of Ghana. But then they have vision to go up into the Muslim north, and God has tremendously blessed that. But there you have somebody who grew up in a country, has come and gotten trained, and now gone back. So it happens many different ways. You, you mentioned earlier the the element of supporting that you all are engaged in and talked about initially that kind of being just funding. Uh, talk a little bit more about the funding mechanisms for people who want to go and has that supporting piece of your ministry expanded? Does it involve more now than just funding? Well, it certainly does. And and you realize if you're trying to generate all the funding in the world on your own part, you know, to to accomplish supporting everything that's going on, uh, it really has to be much broader than our own capacity. But when when a missionary goes, the support is obviously financial. And so for them to build a partner team that supports them and stands with them in prayer and finances and then care as well, I mean, that's a huge, huge part. On our part, though, we need to make sure there's some structures in place, capacity in place to deal with when they're dealing with a crisis on the field or to be praying with them or having prayer teams. I mean, we have a, a, a global prayer initiative where we've got people from all over the world praying for each other, but to have prayer and support that way. Um, sometimes it could be investing into perhaps a, a, some business ministry platform that will allow them to stay in country. Um, sometimes that's with our own people, but also other national partners around the world. How do you help them have an entree and access into a community? That's very huge and very important. I was just part of a conference this week, uh, a session uh, midweek this week, talking about caring for missionaries. And even though I've been doing this program now for uh, almost a year and have talked to a lot of folks, uh, I've not heard a ton about the care for missionaries. And yet this was a young lady who was leading the session from my hometown here. And she was talking about the incredible importance and support that she got from care, knowing that people were praying, knowing that staff back home would respond when she texted or emailed, and just how that kept her from feeling alone in the midst of a place that she truly was basically alone had she not had that care. Talk for a moment about the importance of that or maybe what you've heard from folks that you have on the ground about the importance of caring for missionaries in the midst of their efforts. Well, you can't, you can't underestimate the impact of living in another country, even as a family, and the impact that has on a, on a family's life. I mean, we had we had uh, a family in the, in the Middle East who I mean have had several, but they were right in the in, involved in a Taliban situation. Well, you their their family was facing crisis there, right? I mean, literally in their situation, bullets flying around their head. But they you we had to be there. We had to 
stand with them in that kind of, that's an extreme side of it, right? Where there's crisis. But the other is just, just being with them while they walk through that process of becoming acculturated into a new setting. Uh, that's a very, very difficult time. You, you know, you've heard the term culture shock. Well, if you don't have someone to process that with and walk with that and say, hey, you're not the only person that's gone through this. Here are some of the things you can expect. Um, also, you know, just having a team as opposed to just an individual uh, isolated out there talks about what First Peter 5, where it talks about your enemy is like a lion crawling around looking for someone to devour. Well, they look for someone who's isolated. And so we cannot let a missionary come into a place where they're isolated. They've got to be part. They've got to know there are people that will connect with them, you know, around their family, around their marriage, around their health. Uh, around their language learning and cultural adjustment. So having a team on our end here that's supporting them is really critical, but also making sure that that team is on the field. There are people on the field that can come, come alongside and support. You said you've been engaged uh, officially in leadership for 16 years now. How would you say things have changed uh, related to mission work, to your work in the last 16 years, maybe two or three things that rise to the top? Well, I, I, I am extremely encouraged by what I'm seeing in the world today from a mission standpoint. Um, I think one of the things I've seen is a growth in collaboration, not just from North American ministries to other parts of the world, but even among uh, North American mission agencies and associations that are working together. I mean, the, the, the idea of collaborating to across the aisle with each other to, to go into a country to work together for evangelism, for disciple, disciple making. I mean, all of that to see the way that people are working together, I think is tremendous. But the other thing I think that has emerged and there have been a lot, there's a lot of emphasis on unreached peoples for many years, but I'm seeing uh, an emphasis, not just on unreached people. So yes, there's been a push over the last 10 years of, of seeing working teams among every unreached people group and even a category called unengaged where there's been no known worker, no known scripture access, no presence of a church, obviously, and to see that people have committed to go there. Those, those things have really taken place. But now we're seeing something new that is really beginning to accelerate. And that is seeing models of evangelism and disciple making that have multiplication built into the DNA of how it happened, where a new believer is trained to become a disciple maker right away. It's not just, here's what, here's not just about God's love or what the word says, but here's how you can walk it out and obey this. And what you're going to do with this this week, not, not sometime, but right away. So a young believer is beginning right away, begin to reach somebody else. And to see that beginning to grow, and we're seeing what are called movements beginning to emerge around the world which is phenomenal. And that's where disciples and churches begin to multiply. And I don't think we're going to see the Great Commission task accomplished without multiplication. That's exciting to hear, and I, I'm, I'm hearing the same thing in some of the people I'm talking to, so it seems to be that some of these are trends in, in mission work. Those are some positive things. Tell us a couple of things that are challenges right now that uh, we can be praying about. Well, the Internet is a phenomenal thing. It's a, a tremendous thing. Uh, there's a there's access. There's access anywhere in the world to what a, a individual's background is. 
uh, what, uh, you know, if they're Christian, you can pretty much find that out any way that you want to find out. And, um, and so there's threat that grows and there's also, you know, far more scrutiny. We have countries that are shutting down and well, are closing access, I guess, to Westerners or to mission missionaries overall. I mean, just the Afghanistan situation, we have so many partners that went through uh, severe persecution, some, some martyrdom as a result of just being believers. And that access to information is really creating a challenge. And security is a huge issue. I'm working with a group right now where we're trying to address security issues uh, you know, in a, in a social media world, how do you have Christians communicate securely, uh, working with the church in China? How do you help support that church in China to be able to continue to gather, um, and, and safely and, and for, so that, that, that interest in security is really a big issue as well. Uh, in the final moments we have here together, uh, obviously you all have been going a long time. You have a lot of folks in the field, ongoing training, What's on your heart that you're praying for in the days ahead for your ministry, for mission work, for missionaries that we could maybe add to our batch of things to be praying for? Well, I think one, uh, I'm, I'm just going to speak from the Western uh, world for a second here. We have a culture that is so growing increasingly um, self-focused, <laughs> self self-aware, self, uh, self-motivated, and yet the very essence of the gospel is to lay your life down. And, and so to keep, keep praying that prayer of, of Matthew 9, that the Lord of the harvest raise up workers. Uh, we see this all around the world. We hear this in other countries that are beginning to see affluence come. And, uh, you know, in my heart, my desires, I'd like to see tens of thousands of new missionaries raised up all over the world hundreds of thousands, actually, um, and involved with folks to do that, to see what we can do to fuel a new missions movement. But I, I believe we've got to keep praying that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers. Uh, it's, it's what Jesus told us to do, and, and so I think that's one issue. And the other is that the church would awaken the fact that our job is not done. Uh, just for the church to have a sense of urgency around that. And our calling is not, first of all, a political one. Our, our calling is, first of all, to be God's ambassadors on this earth. And that we as a church are awakened to the fact that our job is not done. And until Jesus comes back, we are, to, we are called to make disciples of all nations. We're called to be, bear witness everywhere. And so for me, that's a burden. And, and I know that is for many other people as well, but I think we've got to keep praying and being involved. Keep praying and being involved. Action. It takes action to see anything accomplished, and missions are no different. But if you felt that tug toward missional work as Dan has talked about it today, I want to encourage you not to let that little tug go by. I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord today. You know, there are so many great organizations like Bethany that help train you, launch you, care for you as a missionary, wherever you are. If you want to know more about Bethany, we're going to link you to them in the podcast notes today. If you don't feel called to the mission field per se, remember what Dan shared as well. 
we are all called, if not to a foreign field, certainly to the mission field where God has placed us, our family, our circle of friends, our workplace, our neighborhood. Each of those are places that are mission fields. Do not neglect the missions that the Lord has put before you, here or halfway around the world. He can and will use you if you're just obedient and respond to his call. I encourage you to respond to that call today. You know, before we wrap today, I just want to take a moment to remind you that this program is made possible through the Ministry of Resource Global, an international business mentoring organization. Resource Global has cohorts going all around the globe, learning about how to do business in a biblical manner and how to impact their cities with the love and power of Christ. Older business people mentoring younger business people for the sake of the city. If you want to know more about Resource Global, you can visit their website at resourceglobal.org. That's resourceglobal.org. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, a story of a lady who comes from three, get it, three generations of missionaries. She has served in the army, learned Mandarin, and now she helps give encouragement to women in business all around the world. You know, it'd be so helpful if you'd subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave a review on iTunes, but most importantly, subscribe and ring that bell so that every week you're made aware of what's coming up. Also, there on the podcast, you can find all kinds of great podcasts past. I encourage you to check that out as well. I'd love for you to email me as well. I'd love to hear your story. What is God doing in your life, in your world, in your mission? C. Lambert at missionstoday.com. C. Lambert at missionstoday.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.